At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Great to be with you. By the way, during the week, Fox Business, the name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. every day. And uh, you can live stream us here on the Internet, LarryKudlowShow.com, all across the country, around the globe, throughout the solar system. So I want to bring in my pal uh, Cash Patel, who's a former chief of staff to the Secretary of Defense, former senior director of counterterrorism at the National Security Council. This all during the Trump administration. And he has a new children's book out. It's called The Plot Against the King, Part 2. 2,000 Mules. Actually, Cash, I, I want to talk about that book in a moment or two. But anyway, welcome to the show, first of all. Point number one is good. You're very hey, kind. Larry. It's great to be with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. And I want to get you back on the TV show, too. Very important. Anytime. All you right. let me know. I'm in. All right. So, Cash, give me a quick rundown. Vladimir Putin, nuclear saber Oof. rattling. Vladimir Putin with a phony referendum in eastern Ukraine. And basically, Vladimir Putin's army is getting its butt kicked. In fact, uh, there's huge protests uh, about his draft uh, in Russia now to put 300,000 more troops. And how do you see this whole story, Cash Patel? Look, and Larry, you, you know, you had a front row seat with President Trump on, on, on global matters. When you have a weakened uh, commander in chief, as we do now, the likes of Xi Jinping, Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin don't really care what America thinks. It used to be their first calculation. Now it's not even on the menu of calculations. And I agree. And thankfully, Vladimir Putin is losing uh, the ground battle and is fighting this, quote, you know, this war in the Ukraine. But the problem is, he went into the Ukraine and started a war, which would never have happened in the Trump administration. Now that he's in there and he's put nuclear weapons on the table, you know, God forbid that ever happens. But the threat of him doing that shows you his resolve and how far he's willing to go because he's going, he knows there's no referendum coming from a weak Joe Biden and a Western alliance that can't get their act together. So while I am hopeful that that never happens, as you know, Larry, hope is not a strategy when it comes to the national defense of America or its allies. And Vladimir Putin has taken advantage of a bankruptcy in credibility when it comes to international diplomatic um, engagement by the United States. So you think um, you think this as the nuclear threat is a serious threat? I think it has to be taken that way because it's one that was done by a man who invaded and essentially started the first new war mm. on the global footprint in over a, you know, in over a decade. And he unilaterally did that. And so we have to, you know, and I was one of the guys that said, look, I didn't think he would do it. I thought we had enough of the Trump hangover effect to carry us through for a couple of years of at least diplomatic dominance. And I was wrong. And then he invaded. And when you have a man who has as much nuclear arsenal as he does, we need to remind the American people, just generally speaking, he has lots of them. Mm. And, and where they're aimed at America and our allies is very problematic. And when you have a rogue dictator who's installed himself for life in combating his enemies, 
in a despotic way, you have to take it seriously. Now, the Ukrainian uh, forces have done a great job with uh, their counteroffensive. They will continue. I mean, even the call up of additional troops is going to take quite some time. And I'm sure the Russian troops are going to be the same kind of lousy troops. In fact, it looks like people don't want to go and, 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 and take this draft. How far can the Ukrainians go? You know, I'm very interested in, in uh, Donetsk and Luhansk, but I'm also, Cash Patel, I'm always interested in whether the Ukrainians could take back Crimea. And I'm interested to see that Russia has not only withdrawn its army from parts of the country, but they've withdrawn their navy from Sevastopol. So is there a chance that Crimea could be retaken? I'm not so sure about that. Look, from Vladimir Putin's perspective, he's won the propaganda uh, land battle. He has invaded the Ukraine and taken swaths of territory and added it back to Russia. Mm. And from his perspective and those who see his way in Russia, which are still many, he has won um, what he said he was going to do. Of course, he was never going to take over the entire Ukraine. But turning to your question about whether or not the Ukrainians can go in and countermand and regroup and take back Crimea, I think that's a tall order for them to do unilaterally. And what I'm scared of is that the the international community now finds itself in the next iteration of Afghanistan in the Ukraine if there's battles to be fought to take back Crimea, because the Ukrainians can't do it alone. And Larry, you know this um, better than anyone. The billions and billions of dollars we send over there, it's like the money we sent to Afghanistan. There's no accountability for it because there's no banking infrastructure there. Mm. It just gets airdropped there and we have no idea what it goes to. But the more concern that I have from my background is what if we enlist our soldiers and our ally soldiers on the ground there? That's basically what the Ukrainians are going to have to ask for if they want things like Crimea back, not just to hold off Vladimir Putin. And he's already, and we've already given the Ukrainians, for example, seven years worth of our surface-to-air missile supplies. Mm. That means seven years the United States is going to be rebuilding our own supply defense mechanisms. Um, and whether we gave it to them and right, is right or wrong is a separate discussion, but people need to consider these things when the longer-term uh, ask of a Crimea are out there. And while we're supplying the weaponry, the Bidens are actually reducing the Defense Department budget in mm-hmm. real terms after inflation. So there's nowhere near replacement money being spent, at least nothing that I've seen in any of their budget documents. No, you're absolutely right. And that speaks to something then at the heart of my you know, soul, which is, you know, when I was chief of staff of the Defense Department and leading that mission is not only are we losing the battle on mechanical warfare infrastructure, but we've also, as you've seen, Larry, lost recruitment capabilities across our entire armed service community, and we've totally depleted our military readiness and preparedness, as we call it in DOD terms. That means, is America ready to put, you know, um, foot to butt if needed? Mm -hmm. And what you've seen across the board is we are not, because of the Biden policies, such as forcing our servicemen and women to choose between service and the jab and the vaccine. That's that's about as un-American as it gets, and people just don't want to serve in that army. Mm-hmm. And that's not an America we should be living in. Yeah, they, this woke business is just crazy. We're talking to Cash Patel, former chief of staff to the Secretary of Defense, former counterterrorism expert in National Security Council. Cash, um, I didn't know about this book, The Plot Against the King, Part 2, 2000. You give us a quick rundown of this uh uh, of this uh, book you've got out there. Yeah, and all the information is at plotagainstthekeng.com, plotagainstthekeng.com. Thank you. We wrote a first book, plotagainstthekeng.com, about Russiagate, 
um, for kids and also for adults, and it became a number one bestseller, so we turned it into a trilogy, and we made Plot Against the King, 2,000 Mules. And we're not talking – and we're literally, we're not talking about politics. I'm not saying be a Democrat or conservative or Republican or libertarian or this or that. We, we want to teach our children and American adults in the same fashion about core values, mission, faith, service, and the fight for the truth. And we can do that in a fun way like we did in Plot Against the King and Plot Against the King 2000 Mules, set in a medieval kingdom, but borrow historically from things that happened. Russiagate happened and have fun names like Hillary Quinton and Keeper Comey. And, mm-hmm. and I collaborated with Dinesh D'Souza, and, you know, have Debbie the Candlestick Maker. And, you know, what I've learned is parents and adults like this as much as anyone else. Because they're like, wow, these are such complicated subjects. I now actually am able to ascertain what the technicalities are of these two, you know, at least Russiagate was the largest criminal conspiracy in my mind. And election integrity matters. So that's why we wrote it. So uh, President Trump was signing off to launch it on plotagainstthekeng.com. It's a, it's a work of fiction, but I'll, I'll just read for our listeners a quick uh, paragraph blurb. How two inquisitive minds, Dinesh and Debbie, search for the truth and uncover evidence of a terrible scheme to elect Sleepy Joe instead of King Donald on choosing day. <laughs> that kind of has a familiar... Now, it's a work of fiction. We might even think of it as historical fiction, I suppose. I think we're going to have to requalify it as historical fiction, just like you know the battle against the shifty knight in the first book. So we're going to make a trilogy... President Trump launched this one on Truth Social for us again. He was kind enough to do so. The mainstream media can't stand us. They're already doing hit pieces. But my mission is to put these books in every school and every library across America and for moms and dads to have something that instead of CRT and gender dynamics to sit down at night and talk to their kids about. Uh, Cash Patel, how does it end? I mean, uh, part two, 2000 Mules. Just give us a hint on how it ends. Well, part three, the trilogy just might have to be the return of the king, Larry. <laughs> Why did I know that was coming? I just wanted to hear it. <laughs> You're like J.R. Tolkien or something. <laughs> oh, man. Who would have thought, Larry? Me, a, a writer. You know you know me better than most, and that's not my forte. <laughs> well, I don't see why not. I mean, I, I think it's great. I, I think it's great to put this stuff out there. I mean, you know <laughs> – we don't have enough time to go through all this stuff, but all this stuff on January 6th, you know, it's funny. Yeah. I've covered this, talked about it on the TV show many times. Um, you were a key uh, witness here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Donald Trump was so intent on upending democracy in the election, why mm-hmm. did he call for ten to 20,000 National Guard troops to protect the Capitol? which he did call for. You've said this, but I, it's not just you. I mean, this is one of these unanswered questions that the January 6th committee, he called for 20,000 guard troops and they wouldn't give it to him. No, you're absolutely right. And I was the first guy subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. And I said, hey, here's the documentation that shows that. Here's the Biden DOD inspector general report that validates our actions and that these authorities were taken. But Bowser and Pelosi refused to make the legal request for National Guard. And one more step further, how is a commander in chief such as President Trump performing an insurrection and a coup and hijacking the military when he ordered the Department of Defense to transition to the Biden presidency. How do I know that? Because the law states the chief of staff Mm. at the Department of Defense is responsible for the transition. And we ran the largest transition in U.S. history at DOD. And I wrote an opinion piece on it at Fox News. So 
they don't want to hear the facts. And now, of course, Larry, nobody's talking about January 6th because like Russiagate, we defeated that narrative, too, with the truth. Yeah, terrific stuff. Cash Patel, great contribution, my friend. Thanks for coming on. We're going to get you back on TV show as soon as we can.